time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Thrivology Podcast, the podcast designed to help you thrive no matter what life throws your way. And one part of thriving is finding your resilience. So how is it that you go from being in a street gang in the projects to being in North Korea, playing for the United States in a diplomacy mission, playing ping pong or table tennis, but Ping pong, as we'll discover as I talk with Wally Green and talk with him about his story of growing up in the midst of poverty, in the midst of despair, but climbing out, partly because of some good luck, but also because of his own actions that got him there. So let's listen in as we hear Wally's journey all the way from the pistol to the paddle, which is the title of his upcoming book. Okay, so Wally, let's talk a little bit about ping pong in Korea, in North Korea, that and and how that fits into diplomacy. Well, how does that work? Well, um, I saw online that there was a, a ping pong tournament. It was a world tour, part of the professional world tour, and uh, I saw North North Korea. So you can see. Um, a year in advance, every professional tournament, where it is, when it's taking place. And so I saw North North Korea. And then I said, wow, North Korea. I want to go to North Korea because Dennis Rodman had just came back from North Korea, right? And I was like, oh, man, for sure. I could go to North Korea and maybe make a difference. You know, me being, you know, American guy, you know, going North Korea, playing ping pong, you know, and trying maybe to try to make some kind of connection because I've heard so many stories, watched so many documentaries. So um, I saw this tournament. Uh, I immediately reached out to the U.S. team because you can't enter yourself into any pro tournament. So in ping pong, uh, only your association can enter you into pro tournaments. You can't do it yourself. So I I immediately called and says, hey, there's a tournament in North Korea. I want to go to this tournament sign me up. Right. And they were like, uh, we don't think that's a good idea because, you know, uh, North in North Korea, um, Westerners are really hated, especially Americans. So it's, it's very, very dangerous for Americans to be in or any Westerner to be in North Korea. And I was like, I don't care. I want to go. You guys just, all you guys got to do, make the accreditation, sign me up and I'll take care of the rest by myself. So reluctantly, they signed me up. So as soon as I was signed up to play this tournament, um, I immediately contacted all my friends that I have in the world who play for their countries. And I say, hey, guys, I want to go to North Korea. Let's do like this ping pong diplomacy thing, like which happened in 1971. Uh, Let me go back to that real quick. So 1971, there's a ping pong diplomacy. And uh, ping pong diplomacy is how America established relations with China. Hence, you got the movie Forrest Gump. So that's where that all comes from. So I wanted to do my own ping pong diplomacy. And I told everyone, hey, guys, come on, let's go to North Korea and do this. And everybody said, you're out of your mind. We are not going nowhere near North Korea. And, and, like, and I'm voting on that side, Wally. i, I got to say, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with them. <laughs> even, even like my teammates and my close friends who play that are very close, they said, no, we're, I, you're, you're crazy. We're not going. So nobody wanted to go. 
So I said, okay, well, if you guys don't want to go, and, every, and everyone was telling me, don't go there, don't go there, it's so dangerous, you're going to get killed. They were just going nuts. And I, and I said, listen, I grew up in the projects, man. There's not much that scares me. So I'm, if you guys don't go, I'm going to go, I'll do it by myself. So I um, contacted the, actually, I was contacted by the Surgeon General, because once they have my name, they contact me and they say, oh, well, we welcome you to North Korea. You're going to need to get your visa. So you have to go to China. And I just came back from China from training. So I had to go back to China to get my visa to go to North Korea. So that's how the whole North Korea uh, thing started. It was from that tournament. And I was like, Dennis Rodman just came back from there. And I want to go do something big there also. It's an interesting place to to leap into diplomacy, I got to say. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's not gone so well with, with that. Yeah. So let's just let's take one step back from there and table tennis. How did how did that happen? How did table tennis end up being a part? Of, I mean, you're in China. Um, so it's not like you went to North Korea kind of doing backyard table tennis at somebody's house. You You'd already no. gotten somewhere. Tell us a little bit about how you got into table tennis. So... Um, Growing up as, first of all, growing up as a kid, I hated table tennis. I like to say the word ping pong. So it's it's fine to use the word ping pong. A lot, <laughs> okay. a lot of pro players don't like it. Right. Right. And, and I argue with them all the time. For me, ping pong is the best word. It's so, it, it, it's inviting. You know, it's called the U.S. ping pong diplomacy. The best people in the world, Chinese, say ping pong. And the only reason why and this is a little, and this, and this is some knowledge here, which a lot of people don't know this. The only reason why the word table tennis is used is because back in the day, Parker Brothers, they copyrighted the word ping pong and they wanted to charge the U.S. Association money to use the word ping pong. Hmm. And the U.S. Association said, no, we're going to change it to table tennis. And that's the only reason why it's called table tennis. That's just a quick history yeah, why? But I like the word ping pong. All right, we'll go with ping pong. So tell us a little bit yeah. about getting into ping pong. So uh, growing up as 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 a kid, you know, um, I had a very harsh life. Uh, I grew up with domestic violence. Um, I grew up with, with gangs. At thirteen, I've already had three guns, four guns. Like I, I was just doing like really crazy things. But I loved sports. Right. I played basketball, football, any sport I could play. And the reason why I played a lot of sports was to get out of my house away from the domestic violence. So if I joined every team I could at school, you know, we had practice in the morning, practice at night, in the evening. So it would keep me out of the house longer. So then um, I was shooting pool one day and uh, I, I saw uh, some some Asian guys playing uh, ping pong and and and. Uh, I, 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 I had this pool stick that I stole. I stole this pool stick and uh, the pool stick was a very expensive one. And I thought I was good because I had a good pool stick, got hustled for some money. I lost the money and got angry, hit the pool stick on the table and it shattered. Hmm. Then I looked at the Asian guys playing ping pong and I was just kind of more being a bully than anything else. And I went over there and said, hey, I want to get a hit. And it was like, you play? I said, no, I don't play this. Because I actually hated this. I despised ping pong. In my high school, they had it. And I used to make fun of the kids playing all the time. So the guy gave me the paddle. I hit the ball. The ball went on the table, luckily. just went. And it was like, do you play? I was like, no. They said, well, hey, it, there's a ping pong club 
in 50th Street and 11th Avenue in Manhattan. And I said, what do you mean there's a ping pong club? He's like, yeah, it's it's a club. Of, and I said, I said, there's an actual club for this, right? I was like, you got to be kidding me. And he was like, yeah, you should go check it out. Just So I went, I said, let me go see about this ping pong club. So I went to the ping pong club and there was so many people playing, right? And I was like, whoa, this looks crazy. And nobody would play with me, like not one person. So I would go there and try to get a hit and nobody would play with me, nobody, because I was, I couldn't play, right? So um, eventually an older gentleman started to hit with me a little bit and uh, it became interesting to me. I was like, whoa, this, this is pretty interesting, right? The eye hand, quote, the coordination. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually uh, I didn't have a partner. And then uh, one day this guy comes along and now I'm going to this club all the time because I'm very interested in this. And uh, now this guy comes along and he goes, hey, uh, do you have a partner? And I was like, uh, no, I don't have a partner. And he goes, well, I can pay you $20 every time we play for you to be my partner. And I was like, I'm not good. I mean, I can hit the ball on the table because I'm an athlete, you know, I, I, but I'm, I'm not. He, he was like, don't, don't worry. I just want to be able to have someone consistent to play with. And I said, okay. So I started to play with this guy like twice a week. And, and like I said, back then, you know, I was in a gang, you know, I didn't really have any money. Everything was a hustle. So $20 was a big hustle for me, right? So I would play with this guy and we'd play. And then um, we, me and the guy, we'd have some conversations. And I was always open about my life. You know, he, he asked me about my family because he was older than me. And I was like, well, I don't really entertain my, my family. I'm not really into my family, uh, but I'm in a gang and that's my family and, and stuff like that. And then for him, it was like a TV show, right? So he couldn't understand it because he never knew anyone who lived that life. And for him, how can a 13-year-old be in a gang, right? So he, 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 he never got it. So we talked more. Then one day I went to the club to go play with him and uh, I was reaching down and uh, a gun fell out of my bag, a 22 caliber fell out of my bag. And uh, he looked at it and then looked at me. And uh, I still remember this. The, the look on his face was priceless. It was like, I think everything that I've been telling him now made full sense, right? And um, the first thing I thought was, there goes my $20. That's it. I've lost my hustle. And I'm just thinking I'm not going to get this $20 anymore. And then I was like, I got to go. I got to go. And I left because, you know, I, I don't know what this guy's going to do. He's going to call police. I don't know what he's going to do. So I left and uh, I thought I would never see this guy again, right? Under normal circumstances, that would be the case, right? This crazy kid with a gun, get as far away from him as possible. So the next day, I got a call from him and he says, Hey, are we still playing? And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we still playing. And I I was like, Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Right. Because in my mind, I thought for sure it's gone because anyone who's ever come into contact with me and experienced any kind of gang related stuff, they quickly were, were gone. So I thought for sure this was going to happen. So, I said, okay, so I I go and and I play with him and uh, he never really mentions about the gun, right? He totally like 
does not even talk about it and and we and we just play and then he was he he started asking me stuff about you know how, do you like the sport a lot are you very interested in 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 playing and at that time I was getting more interested because ping pong is a very addictive sport right the tiniest thing makes a big difference so improvement comes really quickly and or should I say improvement comes really instantly for certain things. And so it makes you addictive to it. So I was becoming addicted. And I was like, yeah, this sport is, it, it's really hard. And it, but, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I like it a lot. So he brought me to, uh, he had an apartment in New York city and a house near Hunter mountain and his family lived in that house. And uh, <laughs> in that house, it was a kind of house where like um, they don't watch TV. There's no TV. They don't eat sugar. Like, so there's no snacks. It was crazy. So he brought me to his house to play with his family. Uh, at the time, I thought he was out of his mind. I was like, yo, this dude knows that I walk with guns and he's bringing me to his family. It, it, so all kinds of crazy things going in my head. Like, what does this guy want? Like, like you know, this is... It's not even making sense. And then he's bringing me out to the middle of the woods, like Hunter Mountain. There's nothing there but mountains. And his house is one of those houses that was like deep inside. So when you look out the window at night, you don't see anything. It's just black. And, and I'm a city kid. So, you know, so anyway, I was like, all right, this is strange, man. And then he says to me, he goes, hey, um, I know you really uh, like this sport. So... I want to help you. And I said, how are you going to help me? He said, well, I have a connection in Germany and I'm going to pay for you to go learn ping pong in Germany. And I said, this dude is out of his mind. He's going to what? Pay for what? To what? It, 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 it didn't even make sense. First of all, why would you pay for me to go learn ping pong in Germany? Like, what do you want? Right? Because in my gang life, nothing is free. Nobody's saying I'm going to help you without some gain or without some ulterior motive, right? Nobody does that. And and, and he goes, yeah, I, I, you know, would you be interested? And and I didn't even know how to answer that. I was like, um, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. And um, so he actually made it happen. He he contacted this uh, training school. It, it, it's a sports school in Germany where all athletes live at the school and they train their sport. And uh, he paid for my flight. He paid for my lodging, the food, everything that I needed. He paid for everything. All I had to do was get my passport and get on a flight. And and uh, he, you know he, he told me about it and he showed it. He said it'd be a good, good opportunity. And and that's what I did. It, it, that's how I started. You know, I, I I went to Germany. I got out of my group, out of that circle that I've been in since a kid. And and now, you know, I I went to a totally different country, different culture, different atmosphere to learn a sport that I actually hated. So that's how I started ping pong. So Wally, if I just go you know, kind of summarize you, the way you got to North Korea is you stole a pool stick. 
Yeah. It <laughs> all started. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So there's so much to unpack there, but, and you know, one of the things that resilient studies show us is that people who are resilient part, we don't, we're not resilient on our own. Uh, we are always resilient in relationship and that um, often somebody who moves away from uh, a troubled or difficult background, it's because something or someone, usually someone comes along and uh, yes. disrupts that process. And there are multiple, multiple steps in there. Many of them just partly by luck. I mean, by luck, you happen to shatter a pool stick and decided to take out your aggression on some <laughs> ping pong game, right? <laughs> I hope those guys never see me. <laughs> <laughs> so then that leads to a club, which, and that that's where there's a, a, a piece, a, an element of resilience within you, right? That you, you went uh, and found yeah. that club for whatever reason. And so let's just track a back a little bit um, because you're, um, you quickly went through the, your background, but let's talk a little bit more about where you came from. Um, I mean, where you came from was the projects, but tell yeah. us a little bit more about that experience. And, and really, um, I, I'm curious on two things. Um, what you think helped you break out when others don't and what you learned from that? I mean, I can't help but think that some of the lessons you learn in the projects probably did, um, help you in North Korea, which yeah. is f a, a fearful place to be. So can you talk about those two pieces? Yeah. So, um, growing, growing up as a kid, uh, in the projects, there's, there's, uh, a lot of gang activity. I mean, like, like people don't realize the, 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 depending on where you live, like I lived in Marvel projects and Marvel projects is a huge, it, it's huge. Like it's, it's, uh, from one side to all the way, like let, let's say if it was the east and the west, it's almost like from the east side to west side. It, it's 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 a huge project, and within those projects, you can have two, three different gangs in the projects. And and, and a lot of people say, well, a lot of people say, well, you know, he has a choice; he doesn't have to do that. Actually, that's totally wrong. You have zero choice mm -hmm. because the problem is. If you don't join one gang, then you're gonna get beat up by all three gangs. So, so that's so that's where the problem comes. Yeah, you have a choice not to join, but then the you outcome the of that is now you got three three gangs after you. So at, at least if if you join somebody, that somebody becomes your protection, right? So that's how I got into the gang, and and um that that gang becomes your family. Right. And um, you, 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 you always spend every day is spend spent like watching your back every day is spent being alert. So, so, so that's why me as an individual, I'm very alert, no matter where I go, I know who's on the side of me. I know who's in front of me. I know who's in back of me. I'm always, I never get caught in a kind of situation. One of those things where at the wrong place at the wrong time, that doesn't happen to me because I read the situations always I'm always reading. And I, this, I got from growing up in, in, in the projects because you know, you always, you never know when another gang member sees you or another gang member is trying to do harm to you. And there's, and there's also times where 
you might get caught out. Because, I mean, it's happened to me a couple of times. And one in particular time, I'll never forget, uh, I was with a, one of my friends, one of my gang members, and um, five other guys were walking past us. And then they just kept looking at us. And then we looked back. They walked down. They came back. And then I told my friend, listen, it's about to go down. And we didn't have any weapons on us at the time. And so I, I told my friends, it's going to go down now. So, and we just, so, so we stood there, they came back and then, I mean, and, th- and this was over something. And, and this is the thing that people understand the fights of gang related stuff can be the stupidest thing. Just, you know, what his argument, you know, his thing was, oh, why are you looking at me? Now, how you know I'm looking at you if you're not looking at me? Right. So it got into that. And then he put out a gun on both of us and said, what's up now? And uh, luckily, luckily, I'm very good at getting out of situations. And I learned that too. I'm very good at getting out of situations. So um, somebody mentioned my name because when I was younger, you know, I I was well known. Like, Like I had this AKA name and my AKA was Tragedy. So, it's, so that was my name, Tragedy, and I had it for a reason. And so one of the kids said, oh, yo, that's, I think that's Tragedy, and I think he knows your brother, right? And then the kid, and then the, and, and, and this is why the kid has a gun to my head, like in my face. And then the kid is like, yo, you know my brother? And, and I was like, what's your brother's name? And he gave me the name. I was like, yeah, that's my boy. So from there, that was diffused. And... It ended, right? But in gang life, it doesn't end. And it didn't end. It didn't end because- Did you know I his saw, brother? Yeah, yeah. I, you I, actually I, did. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know if yeah, you I, just I, talked I, your way out of that one. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. His, 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 his brother was in jail. He, he was in a different gang, but we knew each other, right? And um, he had a pretty high level and I have a pretty high level. So it's a kind of respect thing, you know? So um, I saw this kid like a week later- Actually, actually, my friend that was with me saw him and he was like, yo, 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 that's, that's what's his name. He's going into the store. So we literally chased him down because I, because I needed to make a point. So mm-hmm. I chased the kid down. He was in the store. I said, hey, come on, I want to talk to you. And he wouldn't come out. And I said, don't worry, I don't, I don't got nothing on me. And so he, he, he finally came out and says, listen, if you put a gun on someone's face, you better use it. Because right now, if I wanted to, I could smoke you and, you, and you'd be finished right now, Right. So how you want to do this? You want this to be squashed or we got beef, which means you want to keep this going. And then he said, we, he said, we, you know, we'll squash it. Right. So, so, so that, so that's just the gang mentality. Right. You know, like a lot of people would say, oh, well, he didn't do it. So it should be over with. No, it's not over with because I needed to make my point again. Right. So just being in a gang and stuff like that, it, 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 um, I mean, I won't tell people go be in the gang, but you do learn the street smarts, which a lot of people don't have, you know, and those street smarts are really, really important for, 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 you know, stopping people from get like basic, stopping people from getting over on you. You know, if you're street smart, people can't get over on you. It doesn't work. You know, if you're street smart, you're never in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're able to access the situation and you know, okay, I need to get out. Right. So a person like me, I will see this situation maybe 10 minutes before 
some person who hasn't lived that life. The person who hasn't lived that life will be thinking about what's going on, is processing what's going on, and then you know trying to figure it out. And before you know it, they become a casualty of that situation. Whereas me, I read it immediately. And I'm like, all right, something's about to go down right now. Let's, let's be out. Yeah. So a part of what you're describing is um, ends up being a habit of being on alert. Yes. And that uh, probably is um, as much as it might equip you for a bad situation, doesn't equip you real well with building meaningful relationships when that's not a, a risk. Yes, that's that's also true. That's all. You're, you're always so you're always. um you're always worrying about the other person and what their and what their 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 motivations are. But what helped me, what helped me get out of that is leaving my circle. So once I left my circle, I went to Germany, right? And I was thrown in with a bunch of kids, right, who were giving me so much kindness. So so there's a word that people that there's a word or saying that you hear a lot. It's called killing someone with kindness, right? This is a real thing. If you've never experienced it, it is real. And what it is, is when I went to Germany, I was full of hate. I hated everyone. I didn't like anyone. I don't want to talk to you. Don't talk to me. Don't laugh. Don't smile with me. Don't say hello to me. I don't know you. So don't come up to me, right? And uh, when you're in a place where everyone is like, hey, you're from America. Oh, my God, you're from New York. Oh, wow. How's that going? How's that going? You know, and it's just throwing this kindness to you. You start to get confused. Right. Because there's no fuel for that fire. Right. Mm -hmm. And even if you get a little angry, yo, yo, get out of my face, man. And they'd be like, oh, what's wrong? There's nothing wrong. You know, so for like the first the first maybe month. I was super confused, man. I, I was like stressed out. I was stressed out from people being kind, which is insane. Normally, you don't get stressed from people being kind, but I was like going nuts. I was like losing my mind because everyone was like always, hey, how are you? How are you from like, like this? And then- You're trying to figure day, out their angle. Yeah, and I'm like- oh, <laughs> What are you trying to get to? <laughs> right, and the thing was, there was no angle. There was just genuinely- you know, and then one day it just clicked on me. It, it just hit me. And, and then, and I remember my mind as I was thinking, it says, why are you angry? Right, right. Something just popped in my head. Why are you angry? And I couldn't answer my own question. I'm out of the gang. I left the country. I mean, I never left, I never left my projects. <laughs> and now I'm out of the gang. I'm in a different country with a bunch of new people why are you angry? And, and I could not answer that question. And then I just started to be more friendly. And, and it was like a switch right after that point. And then I started being, <laughs> they started thinking I was crazy because all of a sudden now I was more friendly. Like I just, it was total like, and then I started being more friendly and, and um, more tolerant towards, you know, the questions they were asking. And, and then I realized that, wait a minute, I'm the star here. You know, why are you angry? You're the star right here. Everyone wants to know about you. So why are you upset? Why are you angry? And then finally, that right there was my changing point in my character and my attitude. So I got my my um, 
my my uh, uh, gangster attitude got killed by kindness. If, so did you ever if, answer why you're angry? Actually, I never answered that question. I mean, Do you want a theory? There, was no, there was no reason for me to be angry at that point. I know why I was angry, but there was no reason for me to be angry at that point. Why were you angry? I think it, I think it comes from just growing up with the domestic violence, like seeing my mom get beat up. Like, I don't know if you ever seen that movie, uh, Ike and Tina Turner. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. That's the kind of life I lived. Except my mom wasn't a singer. Like my mom used to get punched in the face, and and like like my stepfather was was a uh, um, he 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 he's from Barbados, and 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 his, his idea of of uh, a man and a woman is that you know the man is the boss and the man is the king. Whatever the man says, that's that's how it goes, right? So so, um, and then my mom is was a person who grew up in Brooklyn and with her mouth doesn't take trash from anyone. <laughs> so that was, that household was just a disaster. It was insane. And then what happens is as kids, I get, you get pulled into it and then you get punished for being pulled into it. So for example, they would argue they would curse each other out. Maybe he hit my mom, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And then, you know, I'll be on my mom's side, whatever. And right. And then show love and, and caring. Then they make up. And guess what? Now I get in trouble. Yeah. Right. And also uh, my stepfather had a child for my mom. So it's my stepbrother. And of course he used to get the better treatment and and my stepfather always said, oh, you're going to be in jail. You, you know, you're never going to get nowhere in your life. You're going to be dead or in jail. And this was every day. You just keep hearing this. And if you keep hearing it all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time, then you say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going out there and I'm going to do what I got to do. So I, I, I think that's where the anger start. I'm sure that's where the anger started just from there. And then once you get into the gang, the gang solidifies that anger more, right? Because now we have more people to be angry at because we don't like that gang across the street because they're not one of us, right? And then, so you take that anger from your household, then you bring that anger with you into the gang. Then it intensifies more because of other people outside of your household. And I think that's where the anger came from. I'm almost sure. Let me give you a, a, a something and you try it on and tell me wh- whether it fits. Um, I think that anger is always a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. The primary emotion behind anger is a way we keep things uh, at a safe distance, right? It's repelling. It pushes people away. But what drives it is one of three things, hurt, fear, or threat. So we feel the hurt, the fear, the threat, and we show it in anger, which is a safety mechanism, right? I mean, so instead of walking around going, I'm afraid, uh, that's dangerous, especially given your situation. It's better to be, I'm I'm mean, I'm angry and threatening. So now let's uh, transport you to Germany where nobody is having that same vibe, which is probably pretty frightening in itself. So what do you do? Let me go with what I've always learned on that secondary emotion to keep me safe, which is I'll just be angry. And uh, over time, you run out of steam. Yeah. And my that's guess exactly. is the fear, the threat, 
the all of that stuff started receding a little bit. You weren't in a contaminated situation, a dysfunctional family or and neighborhood, and um, so suddenly that has a place to drain away a bit. Right, right, right. That that's that's exactly right on the money. Yeah. So um, your coping strategy, and this is one of the things that shows some resilience. Your coping strategy of working from anger when it no longer worked anymore, you gave it up. Some people don't. I mean, some people stick with an old strategy that's no longer working. And instead you went the other way and, and tapped into another place of being um, more connected with people and building community from that. So I'm wondering uh, this guy who sent you to Germany, do you think he was really about the ping pong or do you think he was really about Wally getting beyond where he was? I think in the beginning, it had to be about the ping pong because he didn't know me because it was random. But I think once he, once, once he, 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 uh, I think once he saw that gun fall in my bag, then he, then he knew right away, like, this is serious. And, and then from, from there, it was all about, yeah, I need to help this kid. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's amazing because uh, most people won't do that. So I, I was very, very, very lucky. Well, the, I wonder what the other edge was. Um, there were other people around. And yeah. I'm wondering if it was luck or he saw something. Yeah. I, I you, you know, it's funny. Um, we, we, uh, we made this documentary about two years ago that won a lot of awards um, and it almost got to the Oscars. And it's about uh, these ping pong tables that I put in Bryant Park in New York City about maybe 10 years ago as a marketing tool for our business. And uh, one of the things we wanted to do in the documentary was actually find this guy Hmm. so that we can say, look, because of you, this is what happened with me. But we were unsuccessful because those are questions that I wanted. I mean, those are questions I've never had answered that I want to ask, like, why, you know, why did you do it? Right. So um, we tried really hard, but we we were unsuccessful. We found a school. We found a teacher in Germany, but we couldn't find the guy. So, yeah, (laughs) he's still a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it's it's. He, it's almost like he just really disappeared because after that whole thing, I lost contact with him from, from after that. So I was never able, I was never able to come back. I was never able to say, Hey, thank you, man. That was so great. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 wow, because of you, I was able to do this and my life has changed so much. No, never. It, it was almost like he just disappeared, like completely disappeared. And, and, and yeah, so. So what year was that you went to Germany? That was probably, I want to say 2001, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, the Twin Towers were attacked in 2001, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was literally right after that. I think I remember getting my passport and you couldn't even cross the street, because the National Guard, and if you even tried to cross the street, guns were in your face. Mm. So it was freshly after that, I, I remember. And, and I think I, and I, I'm almost sure that I traveled one week later, one or two weeks later, after 9-11. I, I remember 
I, I remember clearly, especially about getting my passport. I remember a car pulling over and the person who's driving the car was a lady and she pulled in front of the passport building and this, the National Guard came out with guns because nobody's allowed to even pull nowhere near there. Mm. It came out and it was crazy. Yeah, so it was definitely very, very, very shortly after. Uh, Pre-email with everybody and pre-easy you know, easy way to find each other on the internet. And so this guy disappeared somewhere. Yeah, we, I mean, because it would have been such a good part of the documentary, right? Because in, in, in the documentary, uh, I'm the featured character and then there's another guy who's a homeless guy who's a friend of mine too, is a, is a featured character. And uh, it would it would have made so much, it would make such, you know, uh, uh, an amazing story to meet up with this guy again and say, hey, look, this is what you did. Yeah. But we 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 were unsuccessful in finding him, and 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 it's so long ago, and I don't remember the last name of the guy, so that makes it even harder, right? So yeah, we just couldn't find him. It's an incredible story to think you 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 knew the guy well enough to take him up on an offer to send you to Germany, <laughs> but those details disappear, which is just a remarkable story. It feels in some ways, I wonder if it feels like you have been um, showing gratitude for that since then. I mean, diplomacy, the the tables, the, the work you've been doing has been about paying back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, I mean, even till today, even till today with, with with uh covid i mean one of the things that i i did before we were shut down again uh you know i i i am a co-founder of a business called spin and what spin is spin uh is a ping pong bar lounge and restaurant so we took ping pong we made it really hip and really fun and uh i knew that because of covid you know all the uh the frontline workers were like super stressed and, and, you know, I've heard stories about doctors and being in the ER and all these stories I heard. So when we were, when we were able to open up again at 25% capacity, I say, you know, I want to give back through what I know best. And so I came up with this thing. It's, and it's called um, uh, free lessons for frontline workers. Hmm. So what I did was I, I, I made a reservation system and I made some flyers and, and, you know, advertised it where any frontline worker, doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter where you are, any frontline worker on Wednesdays and Sundays from five to nine, get free ping pong lessons from me. It's all free. All you have to do, you just sign up and I'm there. Hmm. And, 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 and I was doing this until they made the second restriction. And now we're kind of shut down again. Because for us, it's a little different because we have a liquor license and the liquor license stops us from having anyone in the building, even if it's just to play ping pong. Mm-hmm. So once so once the restrictions lifted again, then I'm going to go back to doing it. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for the whole year, for this whole year until next year. I'm going to do free lessons for frontline workers. So that's another way of me, you know, giving back through someone helping me. So I want to help other people, you know, because they're stressed every day. They come, they come talk to me, play some ping pong, and I make them laugh. All the frontline workers that I've met so far 
who came to play ping pong with me, they loved it. They loved it because it's not just a ping pong lesson. It's an experience. It's a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of what your everyday stressful life is. Yeah. So. Which is the whole thing. I mean, ping pong has been your um, uh, vehicle for getting out of the projects, for getting diplomacy going now for, um, you know, talking about frontline workers and the stress of that and, and lots of other places. And which is where, you know, you, you said luck. Um, and my challenge was not just luck. You know, there, there's something about Wally that that person saw. Um, and there's something about you that kept that going when you were in Germany to take advantage of that. I mean, you could have stayed angry. Um, you could have gone back to the street. You, I mean, there are a lot of places that this could have ended very differently. And there's something within you that um, kind of uh, took it to another level. I wonder if you have an idea of what that piece of your personality is that, that took um, it beyond it. I think for me, I'm the kind of person uh, that gets motivated when people say I can't do something or when they, or, or, or when they say, oh, you'll never do this or you'll never be that or you can't do that, or you're not good enough to do that. Like those things make me, I've, I, my character is I'm very competitive and I need to prove people wrong. Like, I don't know why, but I just need, there. there's a need to do it. And if people say, like my stepfather said, oh, you're going to be in jail for the rest of your life. You're never going to accomplish, you're never going to amount to anything in your life. Yeah, I was almost there. You were almost right. You were mm-hmm. almost right. But I proved you wrong. So, yeah, I, I think it's just me as I'm, I'm a fighter. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter. I, I never give up. Like, I never give, even when I'm playing, I'm playing a match. And there's so many stories of me and the pro. Everybody know in the world of this sport, all the top players, they all know me. I could be losing, like, the game goes to 11 points now, right? I could be losing 10-0, 10-0, which means I have no chance to win that game. And I'm fighting like a mad dog to get that one point to make it 10-1. Hmm. So I, 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 I never give up. I, I just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting until, until, it, 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 until whatever it is that I want to happen, happen. So I think that's why. See, the interesting thing to me is my guess is if I talk to your gang members back then, they would tell me they were fighters too. Yeah. And yeah. the question is the orientation of your fighting. Right. Are uh, you fighting something that's worth fighting for? Uh, that's that's uh, for a higher ideal, or are you 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 call fighting about your ego? And um, that's it's interesting. Your um, th- that feels to me like the separation. Uh, you you can be a fighter and not use it to fight a good fight. You know, you can be a fighter right. and. And, and use it to destroy others because of your own ego, or you could use it to do something worthwhile. Right. That's true. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. So I think you might've learned to be a fighter on the street, but you learned to turn it to the right reasons somewhere right. along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that's exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. 100%. So, well, this has been a, a very cool conversation because of, of where you went, but where you went following, um, you know, you took advantage of opportunities and, and yet there's something within you that, 
that allowed you to do that. I'm wondering if people want to hear more about you, learn more about you, where can they find you? Um, I have a website. It's called it's it's called whoiswallygreen.com. For everyone who wants to know who I am, whoiswallygreen.com. And then also on Instagram, wallygreennyc. So you can find me anywhere from wallygreennyc. And if they're interested in learning more about your the spin stuff, is that on the website too? Yes, 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 yes. Excellent. I mean, we're, we're, we're closed now until they change the restrictions. Uh, but once restrictions are lifted, we'll be open up again. Cool. All right, Wally. Thank you, Thank very you so much. much. Have a good one. You too. Thank you. Bye. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.